Good morning and welcome to the Berean Post devotional podcast, where we take a deep dive into the scriptures to find new insights and practical application for our modern lives. I'm your host, Duane, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you with us today. Each day we'll explore a different passage from the Bible, unpacking its meaning and exploring how it can guide our lives for today. So grab your Bible, your favorite drink, and get ready for an exciting journey of discovery. And if you want to stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts and blogs, be sure to check out brilliantpost.ca. Also, join our Facebook group where we call ourselves Bright Future Bible Freaks, and we have a lot of fun there together. But right now, we're going to get started and jump right into today's devotional. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Brian Post um, devotional podcast. For those of you that have been following along, you know that we have been going through the book of 1 Corinthians and we are now looking at chapter 2 verses uh, 1 to 5. And as, as is my custom, rather, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come to you with excellent of excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ, uh, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, we're probably going to spend some time um, talking about this passage, but the first thing that we want to look at and recognize is the fact, fact that Paul had been to Corinth. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you. So we can deduce that Paul first came to Corinth during his second missionary journey. Scholars believe this to be around 50 AD. Uh, Presumably, Paul uh, arrived in Corinth after leaving Athens and spent approximately 18 months in the city establishing a Christian community and preaching the gospel. And we can get this information from the book of Acts. Acts 18.1-4 records this. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. He found a certain a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife um, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occasion they were tent makers and he reasoned in the synagogue every sabbath and persuaded both jews and greeks so here we can see that paul left Athens and went to corinth and there he met a jew named aquila a native of pontus who had recently come from italy with his wife priscilla because claudius had ordered all the jews to leave rome the specific reason for this expulsion is not stated in the Bible account, in the biblical account, but historical sources outside the Bible provide some insight into the possible reasons behind Claudius' decision. 
Uh, Claudius was the Roman emperor from about 41 to 54 AD, and it's believed that the expulsion of the Jews from Rome during his time may have been related to conflicts and disturbance within the Jewish community in Rome at that time. It's possible these conflicts might have been sparked by disputes over religious beliefs or social tensions between Jews and non-Jews in the city. Some ancient sources, such as the Roman historian Suetonius, attributes the expulsion to clashes between Jews and non-Jews over a certain Crestus. Now here's what's interesting. Some scholars speculate that this might actually be a reference to debates or conflicts within the Jewish community in Rome regarding the claims of Jesus Christ and the emerging Christian movement. Well, it leads us to an interesting question. How did Paul make a buck? We can be sure that the term bivocational ministry is not a strange concept to the reader, especially when it refers to a pastor. Likely, likely we can all cite people that we know who are both a minister and fulfill a uh, hold on to a full-time job or a part-time job as well. And we uh, do commend such ministers for we think it may in many ways, may be a good model for all ministers uh, with a strong biblical precedent. The, this passage that we're looking at today gives us in some insights um, into how Paul supported himself during his ministry in 1 Corinthians. Paul mentions his approach to financial matters and how he sustained himself while engaging in his missionary work. So Paul visits Aquila and Priscilla, a power couple of tent meeting expert, tent making expertise rather. And lo and behold, Paul himself was a tent maker too. So talk about a match made in heaven, or, or in this case, uh, the canvas and tent industry. So what, the, what what does Paul do? The text tells us that he worked with him, uh, with them rather. Um, the text I, I mentioned uh, in, in, in Acts, rather, it says that he worked with them. Yes, that's right. The great apostle Paul became uh, Paul the apostle tent maker. So we can imagine seeing Paul with a hammer in one hand and, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in the other, expertly crafting tents while discussing theology and spreading the gospel. Now, that's um, kind of multitasking right there. But the important thing is ministry didn't give him a free pass to quit being a productive member of his society. He needed to rely on something other than divine ties, delivery service to to sustain himself. So let's just be clear. Paul didn't mooch off of people's ties. It was like uh, like it was a like a like it was a free slot machine that always landed on triple diamonds. He didn't sit back and wait for a heavenly paycheck to magically appear in his mailbox. No, he he put his skills to work. Literally, Paul knew that the gospel wasn't about making a quick buck, but rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty. And in Paul's case, those hands were dirty from crafting tents, not counting sacks of money. So, well. The next time someone claims to be an apostle and lives in a mansion while while sporting a collection of luxury cars, let's just remember old Paul the tent-making, hard-working, non-tithe-mooching apostle. Because if he could build tents and preach the gospel simultaneously, 
Surely, apostles today can find a way to earn an honest living without turning the church into a cash cow. After all, it it should be about the Messiah, not the Mule. All of Christ's first apostles embraced a different kind of currency, a currency of faith, love, and sacrifice. Their treasure laid not in material wealth, but in the eternal impact of their message and the lives they touched. They trusted in divine providence, which a providence which which often came with the fellow believers' support. Paul's view of the ministry, it seems the concept of ministry for Paul was a whole different ballgame. It wasn't a nine-to-five job or a fancy profession with all the perks. Not at all. None of those apostles rocked the salary or pension plan. However, we also know that Paul reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks, and he did this on top of holding down a job. Several passages in the New Testament support the fact that Paul worked with his own hands during his ministry. Here's just a few. few. Acts 18.3, uh, one we just discussed, it says, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with him and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So this verse explicitly states that Paul engaged in, in the trade of tent making to support himself. We also have further on in this epistle, in chapter 4, verse 12, where he says, we work with our own hands. In this passage, Paul emphasizes the toil and labor that he undertook to sustain, to sustain, sustain himself. Rather, In 1 Thessalonians 2, 9, Paul writes, For you remember, brother, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we not, might not be a burden on any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So here Paul highlights his commitment to not burdening the Thessalonian believers by working tirelessly to provide for himself. He says it again in 2 Thessalonians, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor worked night and day. Paul reiterates his dedication to working diligently to avoid burdening the Thessalonian community financially. Well, did Paul ever collect money? Paul collected money and support from various churches. Now, here's the catch. It wasn't for his own personal mission or ministry comfort. It wasn't like, hey, guys, I need some of the best kind of horses there are because I've got a lot of traveling to do, so you guys... Um, pitch up the dollar bill so you can get me a really fine horse and maybe a couple of guards to keep me safe along the way. No, the funds were directed towards aiding the impoverished believers in Jerusalem. And here's a rundown of some of the instances. Okay, honestly, collection for the, the church in Jerusalem. Paul mentioned in multiple letters that he collected money from various churches to support the struggling Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Why? Well, because at one point they had all things in common and then it all ran out. Check out Romans 15, 25 20, uh, to 28, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 4, 2 Corinthians 8 to 9, and Galatians uh, 10, uh, 2 10 for the details. Then there was a quest support, uh, support from, from, from Philippi. The Philippian church stood out in supporting Paul financially. They sent him financial gifts while he was in Thessalonica and even when he was locked up in a Roman prison. There was support from the Macedonian church, as Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians 11, 
8 and 9 that the churches in Macedonia, including those in Philippi and Thessalonica, supported him while he preached in Corinth. They helped meet his needs during his ministry. Aquila and Priscilla, this amazing couple mentioned in Acts and in Paul's letters, offered support to Paul. While their financial contributions aren't explicitly mentioned, they hosted Paul in their home, not an inn or a hotel at the expense of God's people. Paul worked side by side with them in the tent making trade. Paul's establishment of churches evoked profound affection from their members who regarded him as their spiritual father. The sentiment became evident through their unwavering support, particularly during Paul's imprisonment. In Philippians 4, um, Paul highlights the Philippians' constant care and financial aid acknowledged by Paul. Similarly, in 2 Corinthians 8, 1-5, Paul commends the Macedonian churches, as we said, including the Philippians, for their generous contributions. The letter to Philemon, Philemon rather, further exemplifies the strong bond between Paul and the church as Paul expresses his confidence and gratitude for their assistance during the challenging circumstances. All these texts affirm the church's love and dedication to Paul amidst his trials. Paul's pleas for money are few and far between in the letters he wrote and differ significantly from the modern concept of pleas for seed money or guilt trips for not paying tithes. At least from our perspective, over time, the definition of ministry and even the nature of the church have evolved alongside societal changes. So mechanisms have been implemented to ensure that the gospel ministers find their tax, uh, you know, fulfill their tax obligations. The churches now possess final financial assets, so it's difficult to argue that our current structures and systems, which we refer to as church. Um, it's hard to argue that they that they that they that they resemble that of the early church community in any way. We don't offer any commendation or condemnation on this, but simply are making observations of these developments. But we do pose the question uh, regarding our modern way of understanding ministry and church, and ask in light of Paul's experience. Might there be a better way? Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Brian Post Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion and it's brought you some encouragement and insight. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest blogs, posts, and podcast episodes, be sure to visit briandpost.ca and subscribe. Don't forget to share our website with your friends who might need some inspiration or motivation. You can also join our community of bright future Bible freaks on Facebook. Until next time, may peace and blessings abound in your home.